Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We are studying the book of Revelation, and we're getting pretty close to the end. We're at Revelation chapter 21, and today we're looking at the Alpha and the Omega. And by doing that, I'm going to mention two words, one you know already, the other one you may not have heard of, protology and eschatology. That's another way of saying the Alpha and the Omega. But let's go right to the text. Revelation 21.6 goes like this, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Alpha is obviously the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And just so we don't miss the importance of this, the next chapter, the very last chapter of the book of Revelation 22:13 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And just in case we don't catch it at the end of the book of Revelation, in the first chapter, verse 8, we read, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. Now, of all the things we have studied in the book of Revelation, think of the Alpha and the Omega as Revelation's bookends, the first chapter and the last two chapters. God is the absolute sovereign or king over all creation and all of history. He is the origin of all human and physical universal history. He controls all things in the middle, and he wants us to know that despite things that go pretty haywire towards the end of human history with the Antichrist, the great apostasy, and all those type of things, he is still controlling everything in the middle of history as well as its end. Now, I mentioned at the beginning this word protology. I've already defined for you eschatology, and it comes from uh, a Greek word eschatos, which means last. So eschatology is the study of last things. Many haven't heard of protology, and you know pro is either first or before. That would be the study of first things. So you have the study of first things, the alpha, and you have the study of the last things, the omega, and the two are related. In fact, they're interrelated. And Lord willing, our our next book that we're going to be studying after Revelation is the prophet Daniel. And after that, we're going to turn our attention to the early chapters of Genesis. Now, many folks don't think of Genesis when they think of biblical prophecy, but the early chapters of the Bible will make the prophetic passages in the New Testament appear in 3D. You'll see them in a richer, fuller, deeper way because protology and eschatology. Remember, uh, Jesus 
is the Alpha and the Omega. These things didn't happen by chance. This isn't anything that um, surprised God. He had the end planned from the beginning, and in the beginning, he is mirroring what he will do in the end. Probably the easiest place to see this is just to turn the page to where we will be as we finished Revelation chapter 22, and you see the paradise restored. The new earth, which we've already studied in Revelation 21, is described as a paradise like the Garden of Eden. And you know, our biblical prophecy is very often influenced by our hymns, our songs, our gospel tunes. You know, I'll fly away all glory. No, we don't fly away anywhere. And there's no never, never land we go to in heaven. It's a new earth. God is going to set all things right. His original intention is going to be restored and in addition, glorified and magnified to such an incredible degree of perfection, it's pretty hard to even imagine, but it's a paradise restored. So it's the initial Garden of Eden, the initial paradise, which was a prototype, a prefiguring of what he is going to do in the end. And in case this escapes us in Revelation 22, again, flipping to the front of Revelation chapter 2, we read, he who has an ear, he's speaking to the church, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who conquers, I will grant to eat to the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. In other words, he's using imagery from the early chapters of Genesis to describing what the future is going to be. Protology and eschatology are interrelated. Now, that brings me to Revelation 21 and verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for her husband. And I just need to insert something here real quick. It's nothing to do with Revelation, but bridal imagery is a great thing for the church corporate, as it's taught here in Revelation chapter 21 but taking the bridal imagery and pressing it to all individual Christians is a tremendous way to drive men far away from the church. Women don't like it when men are driven away from the church. God doesn't like it when men are driven away from the church. Go easy on that, even though some Catholics for centuries have pressed the individual bridal nature of the believer and most men don't like to uh, think of themselves as brides, okay? The whole church is a bride. Now, let's go back to protology and eschatology, the alpha and the omega of the bridal imagery. And this is just an example, but we're talking about Revelation 21-2. The church is coming down as a bride. This is the end of time, uh, or at least after the second coming, as we get ready for the new earth. But if we flip to the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, for the first time we find in the Bible the covenant name for God, Yahweh, mentioned. And actually, uh, there's a scholar by the name of Meredith Klein who showed rather definitively, as understood by the culture and time that Genesis was written, 
This was a covenant being made. And what's a covenant? You have God, and then you have God's people. The two become one in a covenant, and then they have certain arrangements uh, of the relationship uh, stipulated. What do we have at the end of the first chapter in the Bible where a covenant is made? The marriage, the first marriage, because marriage is an image mirroring the covenant between God and his people, the marriage covenant between a husband and his wife, the two are interrelated. That's why you find in the book of Hosea, Hosea's wife became an adulteress to signify the apostasy of the nation Israel. Why? Because marriage covenant and the divine covenant are interrelated. The two mirror each other. And what Hosea basically experienced in his own life was a basically a visual picture of the whole nation. And it was preaching a sermon on the book of Hosea, which changed my life and set me on a path towards the Catholic Church. But that waits another day. So we come into the New Testament. I'm giving you the whole deal here. We're going from Genesis, protology, through the first stages, through the Old Testament, through adultery and apostasy, Israel falls away. Genesis 2, first miracle in the New Covenant is at the wedding of Cana. Jesus shows up and showing us he is going to restore marriage and even elevate it beyond the original creation status of marriage. So showing again the interrelatedness of the two covenants, the divine and the marriage. Ah, but remember Hosea, that adultery was basically a picture of apostasy going on. It was a big wake-up call. Well, we know that there's going to be a huge apostasy before the second coming. And how do we know that? When adultery in all forms of sexual immorality violating the sacredness of marriage appears on the scene. There is a famous, now famous letter from St. Saint Sister Lucia to Cardinal Kafara, Sister Lucia of Fatima. And she said, there will come a time when the decisive confrontation between the kingdom of God and Satan will take place over marriage and family. Why is that? Because the two are related. Marriage and family is the best way for Satan to attack God and bring about the apostasy which he wants to see. Cardinal Kafara since then has said what Sister Lucia said, in those days are being fulfilled in these days of ours. And what's the attack? If we back up to Revelation chapter 18, it says that all nations have drunk the wine of her impure passion. That's the way you bring the modern world into apostasy and get ready for the Antichrist. And it says the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. If if we only knew, we wouldn't be so keen on depending on politics to bring the kingdom of God. Americans, particularly conservative ones like I am, have a tendency to think maybe politics will bring the kingdom to our country. I don't think so. In fact, and I'm talking about Republicans and Democrats, a lot of the kings, many of the kings and the leaders have committed fornication with her, and I won't get into that any further. 
but that's not just the state, but in our church. There's a lot of just unbelievable things going on in our church, and we have an influential group of sexually compromised leaders in the Catholic Church trying to normalize homosexuality. This is the type of thing that occurs during the loosing of Satan in order to bring about the apostasy, in order to challenge the kingdom of Christ. Now, what should we do? Should we freak out? To use, I can't think of a better term. No, because all this was clearly predicted by our first Pope, St. Peter. In his second epistle, chapter 2, he says, false prophets also arose among the people. He's talking about the Old Testament, just as there will be false teachers among you, among believers. Don't freak out about it. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And you think, well, every a lot of people are swallowing this stuff. St. Peter says, and many will follow their licentiousness. You know, free sex is okay in whatever forms you want. We'll justify it one way or the other with a lot of religious gobbledygook. And he says, and because of them, the way of truth will be reviled. So what do we do? He says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and following. And we have the prophetic word made more sure. You will do well to pay attention to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And this is why we have the book of Revelation so we don't lose faith When things seem to be out of control, we need to remember the Alpha and the Omega has everything under control. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 131 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.